Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Hi there, this is Pastor Sherman Burkhead, and this is Grace and Truth, a devotion that's meant to encourage you and to challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through a time in the Word and time in prayer. And as always, I love to begin our time together uh, with gratitude. It's important uh, for everyday life, for everyone to have an attitude of gratitude, but especially for Christians to walk in gratitude before the Lord. And today I'm grateful to God for the gift of children. The Bible says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Children are a gift from God. I'm going to say that again. Children are a gift from God. That's one of the reasons why I'm staunchly pro-life. They are a gift from God. And because of that, I'm grateful to God for all children, but I'm especially grateful to God for my own kids. I love my children. I cherish them and the time that I have with them, especially since all of my children are now grown or nearly grown. And I don't get to spend as much time with them as I'd like to, which reminds me and if you right now have a child in the home or children in the home, please, 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 I'm begging you, cherish this extra time you have with them, all right? This is time that you wouldn't normally have with them, all right? I know being quarantined isn't fun. I understand that being cooped up is stressful. I know that right now helping them do their their packets and their homeschool homework because you didn't sign to be a teacher is frustrating, but hear me, right? This is time you wouldn't normally get, so take advantage of it. I promise you, before you know it, your kids are going to be grown. And then you're going to look back at your Facebook memories and you're going to see their pictures and you're going to see their little faces and you're going to wish that you would have spent a little more time with them, talking to them, looking at them, hugging them, getting to know them. So be thankful that you have this extra time with them now. I know that I am. Take advantage of this time that you have with your kids. Make extra memories, right? Do extra little things around the house. Whatever you have to do, enjoy this time with them. But what about you? What are you grateful for? I certainly uh, would love to hear from you. Your comments encourage me. Um, and so you can message me on Facebook or you can email me at fbcboron at gmail.com and let us practice gratitude together before the Lord. Now, today is April 11th, 2020, and we are in the middle of Passion Week, also known as Holy Week. Um, and this is the week leading up to Easter, and today is what is called Holy Saturday. Now, Saturday for the Jews is already a special day because it is the Sabbath. It is the day of rest. Every Sabbath is holy to those who are Jewish. But this particular Sabbath was especially holy because this is connected to Passover, a celebration of a time when the Israelites, uh, when they were in Egypt, God delivered them from the 10th plague. And, and the Jews were instructed at that time to take the blood of a lamb they had slain and put it on their doorpost and the lintel of their, their door, and they would be protected from this final plague. Exodus chapter 12, 23 gives us the details. It says, For the Lord will pass 
through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. This is a picture of of Christ. This is a this is a picture of of his redemptive work. And so this particular Sabbath to the Jews um, was a celebration of the festival of Passover, and it was an important day for them. But that is not why we call Holy Saturday Holy Saturday. You see, the reason why this particular Saturday is important to us is because this is a day. This is the day that Christ's body laid lifelessly in the tomb. Right? This is the day, right, where he was, his broken body was laying there all alone. Jesus, the day before on Friday, was tried, he was beaten, crucified, and then he was laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And this is the day his disciples had thought it all had come to an end. They were crushed. They did not expect for this to happen. Even though Jesus said multiple times he was going to die and be resurrected, they didn't think this was going to actually happen. They actually. We're believing now that they had a failed Messiah because throughout history, many men had risen up that they thought the Jewish people had thought was the Messiah. And the evidence for the fact that they weren't the Messiah was that he had died. And now Jesus was dead and all hope for them has lost. Christ's body was broken beyond recognition. And it seemed like the enemies had had beaten them and the arch enemy that we have, the enemy, the devil had won. And so the disciples locked themselves away in the room and they mourned and they cried. Can you imagine how crushed they would have been? And traditionally, Holy Saturday is a day of somber reflection because of that. It's a day to think about how dark the world would be without the hope that we have in Christ. A day to think about the ho- how hopeless life would be had Christ stayed in the tomb and not come out. It's a day to prepare our hearts for the joy of the resurrection of Easter Sunday. Because even though it seemed like all hope was lost, we know that it wasn't because we know what happens next. Christ emerged from the grave, literally and physically proving that death and sin had been conquered and his and our hope has been secured. Death and especially sin had been conquered by Christ, which actually is important for us and really leads to our devotion. And if you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark, excuse me, Romans chapter 6. We're going to be Romans chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, and it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, For one who has died has been set free from sin. This text right here helps us to see a little more clearly how Christ's death and resurrection affects our lives here and now, not just for the future. Because Paul makes it clear 
to the Romans that we were saved by grace through faith. We are not saved by trying to be obedient to the law. We are not saved by our religious practices. We are not saved by, by trying to make God love us. We're not, tr- we're not saved by trying to get our good deeds to outweigh our bad deeds. We are justified. We are saved by faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross alone. And that's it. Salvation comes to those who repent and believe and trust in the gospel which then caused some of the people in that time to question, if you're saved by grace, right? If it's about, you know, if, if that's all it is and it's not about keeping the rules, then why not just keep doing what you're doing? Just profess faith in Christ and then just keep on sinning, right? Because you've been saved by grace, right? The more you more you sin, the more gracious grace is. I mean, all you have to do is say, I believe in Jesus and then live your life the way that you were living it. In fact, a lot of people think that today. But notice what Paul says. He says, by no means, or no way is another way to say it. And then he asks a rhetorical question. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Right? If you've died to sin, then how can you keep living in it and indulging in it? You see, what Paul is talking about is, is the fact that Christ died in our place. And when we trust in him by faith, right? That's as if we died with him. Since since we have he has died, our sinful nature died with him on the cross and he and he points us to baptism as a symbol of that he says that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death if we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death right as as a christian when you are baptized if you were baptized by full immersion, that means you were pushed completely under the water this is symbolic of your of your death and your burial Right, and then, and then when you come out of the water, this is symbolic of of being raised to this new life with Christ. This is a picture of the resurrection. That's why baptism is such an important symbol for the church. Paul says we were baptized, therefore, with him, by we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, which is our hope, right? But we need to understand something. The, the hope that we have isn't just for the future. Now, we absolutely are looking for the time when we will finally be in the presence of Christ and we will have our perfected, glorified bodies at the resurrection and where Christ makes all things new and perfect and there is no more pain or tears or sorrow anymore. That is certainly a hope that we're looking for, but the hope is also for today. Right? Because through Christ's death and resurrection, our old nature has been crucified and now lives in the newness of life. That's why Jesus said, in order for a person to enter the kingdom of heaven, they must be what? Born again. They must be born anew. Salvation involves a radical transformation in who we are. The old you is dead and gone, and the new has come. The new creation in you has come. You are a new creation. You have a new nature. And that's what Paul is saying. Since you have a new nature, then you no longer are a slave to sin the way that you once were. Now, not only have you been set free from the penalty of sin, but you have been set free from the power of sin. You are no longer obligated to obey your sinful nature, which means which means you are truly free to be obedient to follow Christ. This is the radical transformation that changes how we live. Those who are in Christ, this 
transformed life transforms who they are and how they live. Not because of, of what, what they're doing, but because of who lives in them now. Now, does that mean that we're going to be perfect? I mean, because some people seem to think that, right? If you put your, tr- your trust in Christ and you have a new nature, are you going to be perfect and never sin? No. We still sin. We still live in a fallen, broken world and we still get tempted, right? And, and we're going to, at times, fall into sin. But our hope, but the hope for the Christian is if you follow Christ, right, God will set you back on the path continually, that you'll begin to grow towards spiritual maturity, and God the Holy Spirit will progressively change you from the inside out, giving you more and more power over the sin in your life. This, by the way, is what we call sanctification. It's the process where God is transforming you little by little more and more into the image of Christ himself, which is what the Bible says God has predestined us for. You see, Christ's death and resurrection isn't just about a future hope someday. It's about a very real hope today. And if you were in Christ, you are a new creation indwelt by God, the Holy Spirit, who is actively working inside of you, leading you, guiding you, shaping you, and setting you free. And as Jesus said himself, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I praise the Lord for that. Now, with that, let us come before him and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this freedom that you've given us. The freedom from the penalty of our sin, that we will not face your wrath and your judgment, but also freedom from the power of sin, that as we follow you, that progressively our lives will change and we will want to know more about you and we will begin to follow you more and become more obedient to you. And the sin that once gripped our lives will we'll lose its power and effect over us, not because of us and what we're doing, but because of what you're doing inside of us. And Lord, I praise you for that. I am grateful that salvation is completely your work because if it was up to me, I would mess it up. And so I'm grateful to you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in all of our lives. And Father, right now we come before you. We're praying, Father, that you would turn the tide on this, this virus, that Lord, that that the numbers would begin to change, that the curve would be flattened, and that people, Lord God, would, would, would be healthy, Lord. We pray for those who are sick and that you would heal them. We pray for the frontline workers, Lord, that you'd protect them. We pray, Lord God, for those who are essential workers, that you'd protect them as well. <clears throat> we pray for those who have lost work and lost money. I pray that you'd meet their financial needs today, Lord. We are praying for the governments to have wisdom and restraint, Lord God, and how they're exercising their their power, Lord. Obviously, everybody wants to do what's right for the health of the public, but this would not be an attempt by the government to take all of our, our liberties, Lord. And that, Father, that, that the, those who are in power, Lord God, then would be in the process of putting the economy back together and starting things up again. I pray, Father, that you, Lord God, would reign supreme in this. But in this, and even if this turns out differently than we expect, our hope isn't in the government. Our hope isn't in, in people. Our hope is in you. And we know, Lord, you work all things out to the counsel of your own will. You do things for your own glory. But we know that all things work together for our good because we love you and we're called according to your purpose. Father, we pray that you would continue to reign supreme in our lives. 
And Father, we pray that this would be an opportunity for you to bring your people home to you and that you would bring more people into the kingdom through this, that people would turn to you and repent and believe the gospel as a result, and that your church would rise and shine like it has been right now. I pray, Father, that you would be glorified in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So with that, tomorrow is Easter Sunday, and we look forward to connecting with you um, live online. But until that time, please know that you are loved, you are prayed for, and we absolutely miss you. Grace and peace. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.